and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat About Death. Today I'm going to be joined by Jess. You would have heard Jess on other podcasts or other episodes that we've done. And uh, so I want you to put your hands together for her. Yeah. Let's make sure your microphone's on. Hello, Jess. Hello. Beautiful. And they're still clapping you. That's lovely. Look, <laughs> it's not often there's a star in the house. No. Well, well <coughs> <coughs> let's just turn your microphone <laughs> off. Yeah, no, beautiful. So today's topic is going to be on expected and unexpected deaths. What we do in that I guess that topic. What what happens when something happens like that to our, one of our loved ones? Um, so, do you want to take us through, say, one of these steps? Of course, of course. So, with with an expected death, or oh, pick the easy one. <laughs> with, I thought I'd leave you the tricky ones. Oh, right. So, yeah. What what is an expected death? Yeah. Um. Because I mean, let's face it, no one wants to be expecting a death. But no, no, no. An Definitely. expected death is someone that has passed away from a terminal illness. Um, has obviously been given a diagnosis and is terminally ill. So yeah, and. An expected death, someone is expected to pass away. Terminal illness, someone that is very elderly in a nursing home at the end stages of their life. It is also an explained death. So their cause of death can be can be explained. You know, it could be someone with cancer, someone with motor neurone disease, someone who is very elderly with, you know, end stages dementia. Um, that that is just to name a few. Excellent, excellent. So, what happens if someone does pass at a nursing home? What what do people have to do? Okay, so protocol normally is the nursing home would notify the family or the next of kin. Mm-hmm. It's then up to the family to decide whether you know they would like to be present at the nursing home or, you know, they may have already been there when when their loved one passed away. But it's the family's responsibility then to contact a funeral director. So that's when the funeral director would be coming to transfer the deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything that the nursing home has to do? Uh, yes. Yeah. So the nursing home has to make sure that the death has been verified. So for those that don't know what verification is, what what does that mean? All right, so a verification of death. Um, now I've seen I've seen this explained lots of different ways, but it is, it is a document that a registered nurse or a doctor or a mm-hmm. paramedic must um, must sign and yep. and cite. They 
they have to make sure that there are no signs of life. So they check the pulse for a yep. certain amount of time. They check, you know, they check lots of other other things. Um, I think one of the ways I've seen it explained once was, you know, life extinct, um, which is pretty full on. Which is pretty full really. on. Really? <laughs> um, We're yeah, not so dying. Well, you know, the old days of, you know, you're, you're in your 90s, you're, you're classed as a dinosaur, so... Yeah, you know, you know life now, extinct. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Verification of death sounds Verification okay Verification of death. So that must be completed and given to the funeral director upon arrival at the nursing home. So we can't do a transfer unless we've got that. Is no, that right? No, no, that's okay. exactly right. What happens if they pass in a hospital, like, um, a, like a private hospital? Okay. So a private hospital, so... Rule of thumb in in Victoria, private hospitals don't have mortuary facilities. Wow. I know, I know. Um, so, again, it's very much like a, a nursing home where the funeral director will go directly to the ward to transfer, you know, your loved one yeah. into our care. So we often don't have any documentation um, upon you know, upon doing that transfer. So it's then the funeral director's responsibility to follow up with the doctor yeah. to make sure that we get a medical cause of death certificate. Right. So so I guess not having a verification and it's being a medical facility, you're just assuming that it all, yeah, like someone has done a verification. Yes. If yes. not, they wouldn't have called us. I guess being a, you know, being a hospital facility is you know, they are always looked after by a nurse. Yep. They are always looked after by a doctor. Yeah. Um, whereas in nursing homes, there is often not a registered nurse on staff at all times. Yeah. So a little bit different. Um, but protocols, protocols are, are slightly different and we just so, follow. So if they don't have a registered nurse on duty, then what happens? Well, there's been, I mean, look, I think, I think, Pre-COVID and post-COVID has been a little bit different. Mm. So there has been times where a doctor has to be called in. Yeah. Or if a doctor can't be called in or a registered nurse is not available and can't be called in, then a paramedic is called. Yeah, so, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So there's always a step to make sure that, you know, we can get there as promptly as we can. Yes. So what happens, Jess, if someone passes at home for an expected death? Okay, so... Like palliative care or maybe yeah. had heart issues or whatever. What yep. What's the process? What's different about that? So when someone passes away at home, um, either with a known medical condition or someone who is on palliative or hospice care, um, similar again, um, so someone has to verify that death. Yeah. So it's often, you know, it could be a nurse from palliative care. It it quite often is a paramedic. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it is expected. Um, so we then, so families will often call the funeral home, let us know that their loved one has passed. We say, uh, you know, advise the family that we, you know, won't be coming until that verification is done. So and what happens if a doctor or palliative care nurse? Because I know, I know in some areas around where we are here, that like their palliative care centres only work during business hours. It's um, look, 
in the past and it really is luck of the draw yeah. sometimes. You know, if someone passes away in the middle of the night, palliative care often can't come out until, you know, business hours the following morning to verify. Yeah. Um, so families just have to sadly sit tight. Yeah. Um, but I guess that also gives families time with their loved one. Could, could a family, you know, if they didn't know, like they couldn't remember the process, could they just ring triple zero? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, the only – look, and the only little hiccup with that would be if someone that has already passed away is then not a priority but how do they know that the person hasn't passed away? Well, that's that's exactly that's that's the argument. That's isn't exactly it? right. It's like, oh, I think mum is deceased. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then she must be. Yeah. It's like that. She could be in a very comatose yep. state. Um, and we have had it where a family member has called triple uh, zero. So triple zero is our thing in Australia. Uh, I think nine one one in in America, and I'm not sure about the UK, but and the the triple uh, zeros basically said, well, if she's got a history or he's got a history, then he must be deceased yeah. and we don't have the staff to come out. And it's like, well, yeah. what happens if she's gone, yeah, she's had a stroke yeah. or may not be her physical time. It might be something where she needs to be transported. So we have had that, which is I guess that fine line between – you know, I, I'm sure we only got one side of the story. The paramedics have probably asked the family to check this and check that. Of course. Um, but, yeah. So um, so either doctor, uh, palliative care centre or, um, or service and then you've got your paramedics. They're the ones that do verification. Yeah. Um, and if the paramedics come before palliative care, can we still do the transfer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The only difference is is that we then reach out to palliative care and tell them and then one of their doctors or whatever that deals with that or their GP will then help out. Yep. So how about the other side? We were talking just now about expected death. How about unexpected death? Yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah, mum goes down in the garden <coughs> or mum... Mum passes in a sleep or, you know, doesn't wake up. Yeah. What? Yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, so an, an unexpected death, oh, look, can be a, a myriad of things. It can be someone that has passed away in an accident. Yeah. It can be, you know, like, so we're talking motor vehicle accidents, um, any sort of accident, you know, a drowning, a fire, you know, completely unexpected. It could also be someone has, like, as Chris just said, you know, dropped in their in their garden while they're yeah. mowing the lawns. It could be someone that has not woken up. Um, but as as it explains, it's it's unexpected. You have not expected this person. This person hasn't shown any sort of symptoms or illness or mm. had any treatment. Um, so, so, what do you suggest people do if they find someone on the ground? Always call triple zero. Yeah, always. Um, and I guess not knowing the circumstances, you know, if people weren't present, um, yeah. so I guess they would even call that an unattended death. Yeah. It could be. You know, people weren't there when that person died. So the ambulance, of course, would be, you know. I'm I'm always pro that if you haven't done a 
first aid course or a CPR course, go and do one because mm. even though the ambulance is probably going to take you through it, is if you at least knew some steps or even to protect yourself from other things that, you know, electricity, live wires, you know, that might have been digging in the garden and then went through a power cord, you know, like and if you then go and touch mum, you're going to be electrocuted yeah. and then you're not going to be any good to anyone because you're in the same boat as mum. So, so okay, so triple zero is rung. Do you reckon, like, do they then ring the police or...? Yeah, so... There's no, yeah, no if, signs of life. Yeah, so it, it, calling triple zero activates, you know, all emergency services. So it would be, you know... Ted the, from the CFA, he will come down. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. you know, SES yeah. or, um, you know, it might be that the fire brigade... It might bring the snack van. Um, <laughs> it's all about the snacks. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, police will often come. So even if it's not a traumatic death as such, like someone has fallen at home and they have passed away, generally the police will always come. Yeah, so what's their main job? Is to make sure that nothing untoward has happened. So there's no suspicious events that... Gunshot to the head or back or stabbing or... They are there to um, check. They are there to check all of that. Yeah. Once, once I guess, um, you know, all avenues have been covered and no one, you know, that, that person can't be yeah. resuscitated for, you know, whatever reason, um, it, the police will then contact the coroners. So yeah. the next step to that is, is the coroners are always involved with an unexpected death. Okay, yep. yeah. So... That person then needs to be transported to the coroner's court in Melbourne. Um, so there's only one coroner's in in Victoria. Yeah. So everyone goes there. Um, so St John's Ambulance will be the people that do that transportation. So from the place of death to the coroner's. That's normally yeah normally like oh, a certain radius metro. for metropolitan, and then external to that. They would then allocate. They would have already had a tenure on it, but uh, yeah, a local yeah. funeral director to yeah. do that transfer into the city. So yeah. everything's covered. Um, so once they go into the coroners, what what do they what do they do? Is okay. there a process there? Yeah, there is. There is. So the family will be given what's called a coroner's case number. Yeah. Um, now this number relates to the. Um, the number of people that have been at the coroner's in a year. Ooh, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes that, you know, that amount, like it, it can be a large number. Yeah. Um, so that they get allocated that number and get given a little brochure about what to do next, um, you know, which, which is rough on a family because they often have just gone mm-hmm. through a really traumatic event and they're handed a brochure and someone yeah, has not, taken their Not the easiest loved for one. them anyway. Yeah, so no. once someone is at the coroner's, they will um, admit the person and that will be um, taking obviously detail, taking photos. They will do what's called an inspection. So that will be looking for causes of death if they're not apparent. Um, so it might be that someone has, has gone down, died very unexpectedly. 
they might be looking for a heart attack or yeah. a stroke or a brain aneurysm. So these sorts of things can be found in a scan. So yeah. it might be a CT scan and blood blood And their bloods, yeah. Yeah. So toxology and, yeah. you know, like if you go down to the local pathology department and get your bloods done, yeah. you know, we're talking mass, mass amount of blood taken yeah. to, to yeah. determine that cause. Um, so if the scan – so this scan will then show if there is anything. Yep. And then from there they will then deem it if there is a cause from that. Yep. And if they don't, then they have to do an autopsy. Yes. Now the classic thing is when people think autopsy, they think of the American TV show CSI yep. where everything's all, you know, white sheets and everything's spotless from top to bottom and – you know, there's uh, cops in white pants and <laughs> tops and there's no no blood anywhere or anything else like that. Now, I'm not saying that the coroners that we've got are dirty in any way, so they're not, um, but it is a little bit more, um, yeah, it is a workspace yep. and their cause or their reason is to find the cause of death. Yep. So um, there was many, many years ago when I first started, anyone that came from the coroners was when they came back was pretty pretty awful because of their sewing and things like that to close a wound. Um, and their thing was, well, we're not there for cosmetic reasons. We're there because we want a cause of death. Yep. So that's all changed. That's all changed now. Now they probably have someone that is just their job is probably to sew people up, I guess. I, um, and we used to be able to do tours but we can't anymore because someone's – you know, gone down or someone's uh, – it hasn't worked, yeah. you know. So it's a shame. Um, but, yeah, the coroners – coroners are a very unique place. Yeah. Um, they do get a lot of flack because everyone – you know, and it can take seven to ten days for a person to be released from the coroners. And you're probably thinking, geez, that's a long time. But by the time they do their inspection yeah. and then they set their – you know, their cultures and everything else like that up. Yep. Um, so how do how do we get them from there? Like okay. how does, yeah. So going back to when the family receive their coroner's number, yeah. um, it is then the family's responsibility to contact a funeral director. So a family would contact us. Yeah. They would then... You know, explain to us, look, you know, my mum, like you normally get a little bit of a backstory. You get, you know, my mum collapsed in the yard. Um, they're suspecting a heart attack. Um, yeah. She's at the coroner's. So we then go through a little bit of a process to get some information. Mm -hmm. So we do what's called a first call um, uh, where, you know, you get all the information that you need. We then fill out a coroner's release form. Yeah. So, and we have to be pretty specific with what we put on there. Say that five times. Specific. Yeah, so we, you know, we have to include that coroner's number, you know, who the next of kin is, all of those details. We then send that off to the coroner's um, via fax or email. Oops, oops sorry. Oh, got the taser out now. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens is we can log on to our coroner's portal so we can see what's happening with each individual, each, you know, each person that we're caring for. And that tells weight and it does. Uh, height, which is great for us because yeah. then we know, A, what, what size coffin or, 
you know, how many people we need to send in there or if we turn around and go go to another funeral director. No, no I don't yeah. know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So and once like we can see the progress. So we can see the progress online as in, okay, someone's had an inspection and they're going to have an autopsy scheduled on, you know, XYZ date and then it'll be that they are released and clear for transfer. Yeah. So once once that happens, we we endeavour to go and collect them as soon as possible because they're they're far better in our cut in our care than what they are yeah. at the coroner's. Yeah. Um, and families are always relieved to know that they're out of the coroner's and they're they're back with us. Yeah. So yeah. is there any any extra preparation that you need to do from the coroner's to once they're in our care? Like, is there any like you know, being if they've had an autopsy, and I know this goes into other podcasts that we've had, but um, there would be a lot of blood though, I, yeah. would, I would think. Sometimes, yeah. you know, it really, really does depend on the individual. Sometimes there can be not a drop. Yeah. Sometimes there can be a lot. Yeah. And and, and just depending on their cause of death. Yeah. Um, so regardless of that, we always go prepared um, with extra you know, extra body bags, extra towels, extra sheets, PPE. Um, we also have, I guess, plastic lining that we can use. Yeah. So we always, you know, strive to to bring them back here, you know, as safely as possible. Yeah. Once they're here. So the rule is <laughs> protection. Protection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. Because we just never know, like. Oh no! You got to take it. You got to take it as though that everyone is infectious. Yeah. You don't know what they've got, and mm. they won't tell you anyway. You know no. what, what <laughs> the what the issue is. So no. um, that's that's the big thing. So yeah, we got to we just got to be protected all the way through it. Of course. So, I think with with the expected and unexpected deaths, we've covered quite a bit bit of ground there, and I guess it all depends on. Each individual family's um, uh, condition or or situation. Where are they? Is it likely they're going to go to hospital? Is it? So it's so hard when family goes. Well, what do we need to do? We'll give them the basics, but it's like with people that when they go into labour and they're meant to have this birth plan. Birth plans go out the door when it comes to that. It's the same with death. That you is can a have great a plan. Way to explain it. You can have it. You know, I'm going to have an epidural. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Come the day that when you're in that situation, totally changes. You ended up, you know, ended up with a C-section. Yep. And that wasn't planned. Yep. Um, but it's just how it is. Um, so exactly the same when it comes to death. You just got to ride. You got to ride that wave because it is a bit of a journey. Um, you know, and you can get kicked off and you can get all sorts of things. But I think at least knowing some information about it is better than no information. Yep. Um, Couldn't agree more. So, you know, on our socials and things like that, we've and we've done other uh, episodes on on process. And so hopefully you can go back over those and, and listen to them again. Um so I hope I hope this is has really helped anyone, especially if they've either been through it before, um, but as a as a back person, like a backseat driver, like you haven't you haven't really had much to do with it because the drivers were there. But 
Um, see, that's another Brembanese. <laughs> see, I don't even know where I'm going with that. But anyway, it sounded good at the time. We're talking about driving. That's <laughs> driving. <laughs> yeah, driving Miss Daisy. Um, so, yeah. Well, look, you know what? I think, I think that is time for us to um, say our farewell. Um, and uh, want to thank Jess again. Oh, thank um, you for having me. And uh, well, you're here because I'm paying you, so true, that's. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> what else are we going to do when it's quiet? No, no, it's all good. So, thank you everyone for listening again to one of our lovely podcasts. For those that haven't been on TikTok, um, go and join or follow us, Brember Family Funerals. Facebook and Instagram, same thing, Brember Family Funerals. Other than that, enjoy your day or night, whatever you're up to, and we'll catch up with you again. Bye for now.